It is August 27th, 2020. Welcome to episode five of uh, Legacy Battle Podcast. We uh, send out our prayers out to everyone affected by that hurricane, of course. Um, you know, tough going on around with that right now, but uh, those people are definitely in our, our thoughts and prayers. Um, our next show is September 18th. It's going to be Brady versus Manning. So Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning. That'll get a good reaction from a lot of the Boston people and from us down here living in, in Tampa now. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get into the debate, we're going to bust out the trivia question for a prize right now. Just uh, throw your answers in the comments. Um, and we'll send out a prize to you if you win. So here is the question. You got to answer, as usual, all parts of the question. Al Bundy played for what high school football team, and how many touchdowns did he score in the 1966 state championship game, and what was the name of his arch nemesis that he ran over to score the game-winning touchdown? So if you got all three answers for that, Throw them in the comments as usual. If nobody gets it, we'll um, post it on the on the group page later. So uh, tonight's debate was originally scheduled to be a cross examination debate. You know, it's, it's today. It's just going to be an open debate. We kind of changed that up <laughs> a little while ago. Um, and it is uh, the second Mount Rushmore of wrestling. So we all came to an agreement that the first Mount Rushmore was Hulk Hogan. He made wrestling in the North. Ric Flair made wrestling in the South. The Rock has transcended the sport more than anyone else. And Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, was the biggest moneymaker for a good time period, had the best-selling T-shirt pretty much of all time. And that's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so. So we've eliminated those four. And then we took it down, had 24 wrestlers, took that to 20 took it to 15, took it to eight. And those are the eight that we're debating today. Um, Who each of us is representing was randomly picked out of the hat and the order that we're going to be talking about them also was randomly selected out of the hat. So there's no time limits today. We're just gonna have some fun. And we tried really hard to get a special cast, really hard, but um, unfortunately it didn't work out, but we. Possibly in the future, we'll be able to do another wrestling show, and it will. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. So without further ado, let's get this started uh, with the random selection. The first wrestler up is Brett the Hitman Hart, and that is represented by Kevin. Yeah, and actually I'm uh, kind of glad that it got randomly picked for me because uh, you... Uh, as my brother know, that that was probably my most uh, favorite wrestler growing up. Uh, Brett the Hitman Hart. Man, I always like enjoy watching him and his matches. And, and him going up against Shawn Michaels are some of the most memorable matches that I remember. And there was one time where he pinned the 540-pound like, Yokozuna. But Brett Hart, uh, he, took, he took the WWF to another level. He also took uh, the WWF the bigger heights in Canada. By far, he's the greatest wrestler to, come, to ever come out of Canada. Um, and some will argue that he's actually been the best wrestler to even wrestle the WWF, WCW, etc. Um, you know, he brought um, 
technicality to, to wrestling. Like he had the best technical moves in wrestling and, and the way he would uh, carry himself about. But a lot of that, I think, comes from uh, when he was a child. He actually uh, did real wrestling and actually was really good at it. Um, in the 70s, you know, he got city championship uh, victory over a guy named Bob Oakland, who went on to become uh, the Canadian Inter-University Sport National Champion and got Outstanding Wrestler of the Year from 1980 to 81. Um, so he beat him in a championship in high school. Then he went on and was a collegiate uh, national champion um, for real wrestling. And then he brought that into professional wrestling uh, where he started uh, in the Stampede Wrestling uh, promotion out of Calgary. Um, where his dad actually was wrestling as well. He started off, you know, first as a referee, and then he took it into, you know, he started to become a wrestler. Um, he was in there for a while, and he got brought on by the WWF. Um, I didn't know this about him, even though he's my favorite wrestler. They actually wanted him to be a cowboy, uh, act as a cowboy, and be a, like a cowboy gimmick uh, when he first got signed on. And he refused because uh, he said Good that call. where he comes from. Yeah. He said, yeah, he said where he comes from, if you call yourself a cowboy, you better be one. <laughs> so he scratched that right away. Um, but, I mean, he pretty much won the hearts of everyone uh, right away. I mean, he was one of the first wrestlers to hit an Ironman match, a 60-minute match against uh, Ric Flair. Um, his first singles match was against Ricky Steamboat, which, you know, these are all names that we've tossed around and you know, uh, thought that, you know, could be uh, mentioned possibly on, on the Rushmore. But Bret Hart, I mean, he had, he's the first wrestler to capture all six major titles uh, between the two different wrestling federations, the WWF and the WCW. Um, he has many notable wins. Um, he has won, uh, second, um, he's won two uh, Commonwealth mid-heavyweight titles when he was in the Stampede. Uh, he won two. No, I'm sorry, five tag team titles while he's in the Stampede. He won six heavyweight titles while he was in the Stampede. He won two tag team titles in the WWF, two intercontinental titles in the WWF. He won King of the Ring one year. He was he had five WWF heavyweight titles. He was a Royal Rumble co-champion in 94. He won four WCW heavyweight titles, and he won a tag team title with Goldberg in WCW, and he had one uh, heavyweight, another heavyweight world title um, in the WCW. So, I mean, by all means, like, he's been the top of the game for wrestling through multiple different stages of his career, the different levels of promotions, the different leagues. Did uh, have a sour ending at one point, as I'm sure we'll talk about, the Montreal Screwjob uh, with mm -hmm. WWF, uh, WWE now, uh, and that, that actually included one of Brett's wrestlers, uh, the Heartbreak Kid. Yeah. So I'm sure we'll talk about that. So I'll leave that open for yeah. you guys. But um, let, I mean, let, he's, let, let me jump. Let me jump in here because um, and I meant to do this earlier. I want to give a couple vocabulary words. A lot of our fans probably don't watch a lot of wrestling. Um, so WWF, we're going to be calling that WWE tonight. Um, it's World Wrestling Entertainment. WCW is World Championship Wrestling. Uh, TNA is um, Total Nonstop Action wrestling and just a couple definitions um if you hear the word kayfabe that is a wrestling term basically means it's not staged it's not breaking character or part of the storyline and a shoot is another wrestling term it's uh basically unplanned or unscripted real life occurrence um 
and I'll give you those definitions because it's definitely going to have a lot to do with Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. Um, so just yeah. wanted to throw those out there. So and if I could just say four more things real quick yeah. that feel are pretty important for him. He was the first WCW wrestler to be inducted into the WCW Hall uh, or Wall of Fame. Um, he got voted most popular superstar six times. Um, voted number four in the list of best 100 wrestlers of the century. Um, so, I mean, Bret Hart is a, is a top-notch wrestler. He's very popular, well-known. He's done things outside of wrestling as well. He writes his own column for the Calgary uh, Sun newspaper. Um, he actually founded and, and was part owner for, um, of the Calgary Hitmen, which is a, a junior hockey team out of uh, Calgary, Canada. So, I mean, he's done right. other things outside. All right, good. And, um, you know, let's try and keep our intros of them at two to three minutes tops. We've got lots of people yep. and a little time to do it. So uh, let me jump in on Bret Hart here then. I'm going to agree with you. He is the best technical wrestler of all time, and that means in the ring there's probably nobody better. This guy could put a match together uh, from start to finish better than anyone. His mic skills, they got better, uh, especially when he turned uh, heel. They were a lot better. They weren't very good for a majority part of his career. Um, but, you know, against Brett is he couldn't carry the company. He basically replaced Hogan when Hogan left. Ratings dropped. Tenants dropped. Revenue dropped. Now, a lot of people say that had to do with the steroid scandal that was going on. But Brett was the champion when all that stuff occurred, and WWE was – really losing a lot of their fan base. Um, that was when WCW was starting to make their charge. Um, and Brett, I mean, he, he's going to toss somebody under the bus quicker than anyone as far as calling people out or narking them or things like that. You know, you could take that for what it's worth. And the reason why I would feel that he shouldn't be on the hall, the, the, the second Mount Rushmore, and, and honestly, all these guys could be – on it or on the first yeah. one, but something against him is I think he is most remembered for what happened right after the Montreal screw job. And that is him punching Vince McMahon in the face. And this, this was real people. This was a, this was a shoot. So um, if somebody wants to get into the, the, the Montreal screw job. I'm sure we will at some point here. That's going to explain a lot, but he literally Vince said, I'm going to give you one punch and he took it. And I he would is, too. he's more uh, yeah he's more known for that. So I mean I don't know if I'd even say that's necessarily a negative thing though. You know what I mean? Like people <laughs> if people remember you for nailing you know nailing the the owner of the of the federation. The more power to you. I mean that's that's something that legends are made of. You know. And he was offered it. Yeah, I mean that's look right. what he did to Stone Cold. Jeez, he used to punch McMahon all the time. Uh, you know, yeah, but that 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 was uh, that was kayfabe. That wasn't real. That was true, true. Uh, you know, it's it's going to be difficult tonight to talk about these guys because, I mean, honestly, growing up loving wrestling, I'm a fan of each one of them. They all have their 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 positives, their negatives. But you know, getting into it uh, again, you talk about technical with Bret Hart, and again, him having the same name as me, uh, even though spelled slightly different. Of course, I was a huge fan of him growing up, and the thing that you don't see in today's WWE day and age is the technical aspect. His finishing move was the sharpshooter. I mean, how many submission holds do you see 
this day and age. I mean, I don't watch as much as I do or as much as I did when I was younger, but man, that move was amazing when he'd throw people in it and make them tap. And it was just, you know, that's one of those things that makes him stand out for me. It's just a lot of the wrestlers we'll, we'll talk about tonight have, you know, more power moves than they do the technical aspect of it. Right. And the Hart family, I mean, they're just, there's just so many of them. They're so famous. You got the Anvil Nyhart, Owen Hart, God rest his soul, died in, yep. in the wrestling accident. But now you even got Natalia Nyhart out there. She uses Brett's sharpshooter. And just to tell you how good Brett is at doing it, I believe it when Brett's doing it. When she does it, you don't believe it, you know. So yes. it, it, it's more than, uh, it, t- it takes a lot to get over in, in wrestling. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, oh, it's fake. It's, it's it's scripted. The athleticism behind it is real. The emotions that they are putting into their matches is real because you can't just go out there and make it happen. You know, right. you, gotta, you gotta put the emotion in. And Brett was very good at that. And like I said, he, he could put a match together better than anybody. A scripted match, but he could script those matches to, to perfection. And I, he's the best in-ring technician probably in history. Well, in the prime example, just to piggyback off what you said about, you know, the, the athleticism and the emotion and everything. Take, for instance, that uh, match with uh, Kurt Angle and uh, was it Shane McMahon when he threw him through the uh, glass window? Like, what, threw him through the wrong glass window? <laughs> and well, it was it was the right one. They forgot to make it supported glass. No, that's, and, yeah, that's what it was. Like, yeah. and um, Angle couldn't it, get like, through. Like, falling off of, like, uh, a 50-foot cage onto a, a table down below, like that's going to, you're going to feel that the next day. You know, yeah. and unfortunately that, that's possibly why, you know, some of the wrestlers gotten into some of the issues that they had later on in life. But yeah. a lot of it is, is actually real. I mean, them falling from those heights, that's not, you can't fake that. Like you're falling and you're landing on something and you're going to feel it and it's going to, mm-hmm. it can hurt you. Right. Yeah. Okay. Let's, uh, let's, let's move on to our second, uh, pick here that's the heartbreak kid sean michaels and that's uh let's see let's see can we hear it can we hear it well we don't own the rights to the music so that's why we haven't been playing them because they shut down videos when you do that so um i took it off but you're up brett (laughs) uh yeah so we're talking about sean michaels the heartbreak kid um you know another one of the moves that at one point in your life if you liked wrestling i swear you tried to do on somebody the sweet chin music that he had um you know his finishing move was probably to me one of the most believable i don't know how but every time he'd stick that foot to someone's chin it would smack almost (laughs) as if it was really just taking him out and uh that's something i loved about his move but i mean again you're talking about a guy who had breaks in between but basically with wwf wwe um, almost a 20-year career on and off. Uh, and, that, I mean, that's a lot of wear and tear in your body. Like you said, you got the, a lot of it's scripted, but, man, the athleticism is there for these guys. Um, you know, you look at Shawn Michaels uh, was the, you know, founder, basically co-founder, if you want to call it, of D-Generation X, one of the largest, you know, groups to ever form in the WWE uh, back then, one of the biggest ages of wrestling as well with all the superstars that were around, including many of the, you know, original uh, four that we had that we talked about at the beginning there. Um, I mean, again, you look at it, four-time world champ, uh, 
three-time WWF, WWE, whatever you want to call it, or one-time WWE, three-time WWF. Sorry, getting it backwards there. Um, but Intercontinental Champ multiple times, Tag Team Champ. Um, I mean, Shawn Michaels still is worth uh, a decent amount. I think it's something like over $15 million he's still worth, and he's been, you know, um, basically retired from wrestling and not doing too much. But he, he made a name for himself. And you go and if you talk about wrestlers within the last 20 years, there's no doubt his name's getting brought up. And honestly, people around the world will know who he is. Um, I think that's, you know, many of the guys we talk about tonight, they'll have the same thing. But with Shawn Michaels, uh, you know, he was that heartthrob for all the ladies that so anybody watching wrestling, it wasn't always about the physicality. He he brought that part to it to try and draw on the ladies as well. Um, you know, anybody want to chime in? There's a lot we can talk about with him. Yeah, I mean, they called him Mr. WrestleMania for a reason. I mean, he and and Undertaker, who we'll talk later, saved their best for the biggest show of the year. I mean, at WrestleMania, these guys stole the show. They may not have main evented it, but at the end of the night, that was normally the match they were talking about. And that's why they call Sean Mr. WrestleMania. Um, I'll let Kevin go into the, the Montreal screw job part, but I wanna I wanna point out with 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 Shawn Michaels his career should probably be seen in two different sections. One would be the nineties when um, excuse my language here, he was the biggest prick in wrestling. And and everybody will admit to that, even himself. He left for four years, had a back injury, had a lot of surgeries, surgery. came back, found Christ, and this guy was a completely changed man. So I, I want to give him a lot of credit for that. Um, there was never anything bad said against him from when he came back. It was just prior. Um, and, Kevin, I'm, I'll, I'll let you – you and Brian, if you guys want to bring up the Montreal screw job, get that into play here. Yeah, I mean, so <laughs> Shawn Michaels should have did the right thing here, but he didn't. He went along with what Vince McMahon wanted to do. So, long story short, it was Brett McMahon's you know contract was expiring. They were going to Brett his home country. Contract. Yeah, they were going to his uh, home country. Um, he was going to face off against. Um, John Michaels and, you know, get to win his final match and keep the, the title. Um, but, and, and Vince McMahon promised him that he was going to let him win. This was set in stone. And then something happened. Vince McMahon didn't hold his promise. And it almost looked as if the referee was signaled or told by Vince McMahon to uh, basically essentially uh, – tap out Bret Hart. It may look, Bret Hart got put into the sharpshooter by, by Michaels, and he didn't tap out, but the ref rang the bell and said that he tapped out, and essentially Bret Hart lost the title in front of his home crowd in Canada, his last you know title match. And then that's why he did what he did. He punched uh, McMahon, spit in him, and Michaels knew what was going on. Michaels should have did the right thing. That's crap. Like, he should have let Bret Hart have that. You know, he could have did the right thing, and he didn't. Ryan, before I give you my side of the Montreal screwjob, you want to throw anything in here on this? Well, I mean, I just think the reason behind it was probably just because of 
Shawn Michaels' extreme popularity at the time. I mean, he was. At, I I don't know. I mean, other than maybe the guys that are on the Mount Rushmore, that, you know, that we established that there was really an, a guy that had more popularity at one point in time than, than Shawn Michaels did. You know, and and I think that was probably the driving force behind it. You know, McMahon was probably just looking at ratings, looking at that that, that sort of metric, and you know, it was just too tempting. And of course, Michaels decided to go along with it. So. With the Montreal screw job, it's probably one of the most famous things in the wrestling for people who don't know a lot about it. Um, it was actually the mas- the mastermind. It was it wasn't Vince's idea so much. Triple H was the one who said, "If he's not gonna, if if Brett's not going to do business, we'll do business for him." So this all originated with Triple H. Vince was trying everything possible to get Brett to understand why he needed to lose the title. Brett's contract was up. He was going to WCW. Vince McMahon could not have his champion going to the rival company who was destroying them in the ratings with the WWF, WWE belt at that time, which the women's champion had done when her contract ended, and she threw the WWE belt in the garbage live on TV on WCW. If that happens with their biggest title, WWE probably would have went out of business and they were very close to it anyway. So Vince was really backed into a corner. Brett supposedly offered to drop the title to anybody but Sean. And this all comes from Sean wouldn't lay down for people. He would not take a pin for anyone who wasn't his friend back in the day. This was pre-Christian years, obviously. That had a big part to do with it. Brett knew he wouldn't lay down for him. So Brett said, I'm not laying down for Sean. That's what caused all this to get to what they call a shoot and real life things causing changes that happened that were supposed to be scripted. Um, and it basically, so it was Triple H's idea, but the hatred between Brett and Sean all started with the sunny days comment that Sean made referring to Brett having an affair with Sonny. Brett was married, wasn't really happening. Sean was actually the one sleeping with Sonny. Uh, who was married to Chris Candido, another wrestler. Um, and it just all went downhill from there, and they booked themselves into a shoot, and they get to, as Kevin said, Canada. Brett's last night, Brett was told there was going to be a run-in by other people to stop the match, and no one was going to lose, and 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 that was going to be the end of it. But Triple H had the plan. Shawn Michaels followed it. The referee, Earl Hebner, followed it. They screwed Brett out of the title. So and with that, his own finishing move, too. With his own finishing move. But the finishing move was scripted. Brett said that that was scripted. He was supposed to roll out of it. So, um, you know, it just all went to heck, basically. So that, you know, that that is what it is. So, I mean, Sean, you know, he was part of the clique. And the clique, those, those four or five guys, they wouldn't – you know, they wouldn't help out other wrestlers. Triple H and Shawn Michaels, they were so bullying to The Rock that even when Michaels came back to wrestle again, The Rock refused to wrestle HBK at any time during his career. That's why we never got that dream match. But anywho, let's move on to the next one here. So next up uh, is Brian with John Cena. The champ is here. Yeah, the champ is here. You can't see him. So, uh, yeah, with, with John Cena, it was kind of like 
I guess maybe a patch passing of the torch, you know, the guys we just mentioned, you know, they were the superstars in the, in the nineties and then, you know, part of the two thousands. And then Cena was kind of the guy that, that, you know, that, that rose up, um, you know, as those guys uh, careers were starting to wane. So, so he comes on the scene early two thousands. Um, you know, he was a U.S. champion, WWE champion 13 uh, times, which is a record. Um, he was a world tag team champion, and he headlined WrestleMania five times. Um, yeah, he was well known for his for his gimmick with like the, the rap song, making up rap songs about different guys he was going to face and stuff, which was funny. Um, there was um, there's a uh, um, the, the Sportster, uh, which is a publication, they went through and they ranked all the wrestlers from um, at like by decade. And for the decade of the 2000s, from you know 2000 to 2009, they they uh, they ranked Cena number one. So he really dominated that decade. Um, and he had a lot of great feuds and beefs with guys through throughout his career. Um, he had with Kurt Angle and, and Chris Benoit and Chris Jericho, um, uh, the Guerreros and, and Undertaker, and, and of course Edge. And a lot of those, you know, they ended those feuds get ended up getting settled one way or another in WrestleMania in front of everybody. So, um, you know, that was it, it basically if you were tuning in to to wrestling during that time, you were seeing Cena pretty much more than anybody in the big matches. Um, you know, and, and he was a pretty a pretty great guy off, you know, uh, you know out of the ring as well. Um, you know, he, he did the did the Make a Wish Foundation. Um, very involved in that. And really, I mean, to say he's involved in it is really an understatement because he actually has, he's he's done 600 wishes. He's completed 600 wishes, which is more than anybody in that charity's history. Um, so the guy's just, uh, I mean, as an angel off the, um, out of the ring, but in the ring, he's a great wrestler. I mean, really like 10 years is like a top wrestler, really. Um, and then he also, uh, you know, he got involved in some movies as well. Um, he was in the Marine, 12 Rounds, uh, Trainwreck, Ferdinand, Bumblebee, and, and he has another one that's coming out here in, in 2021. 20, uh, uh, so um, a superstar who, I mean, he's, you know, his career's, you know, pretty much over now, but, um, you know, but for the last 15 years, he's just, he's been great. And I think he really deserves a spot up, uh, up on this uh, Mount Rushmore. He's going the route of the rock. He's uh, he's going to be in Fast and Furious Nine. That's coming out. Uh, it's been delayed because of COVID. But he's also in Suicide Squad uh, coming out. I mean, this guy's career is really starting to skyrocket. But yeah, the only difference though is the Rock's acting career is actually pretty good. Have you seen Cena's movies? They're they're not good at all. Did well, you see I'll, the Rock? I'll, I'll take that back. There was one where he played. He actually played like a drug dealer, and it. It was actually yeah. kind of funny. <laughs> did you see? Did you see the Rock's early movies? They weren't that great either. The Tooth Fairy, the the Game yeah. Plan. I mean, you got to start somewhere. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Brian, it's not an easy transition to make for sure. But you know, he's on his way, and he's still he's only forty three years old. I mean, he's still very very marketable. Um, you know, he's still very very popular. Mm -hmm. So I mean, his his story is still you know has some chapters left in it. Yeah, isn't he dating a female wrestler? And they broke up. She just yeah. married, got married her. She just had a baby the other day, Nikki Bella. But, yeah, I was just going to add in, you touched on it, Brian, a couple things that I think of with Cena right away. Just kind of overall, likable guy, likable wrestler. 
and then also kind of what he does, uh, you know, outside of the ring on, on his own personal time with that make a wish and things like that. It's, it's something that makes him stand out sometimes amongst some of the other wrestlers, because let's be honest, even some of the ones we talk about tonight have got some things kind of skeletons in their closet, things in their past that really kind of make, you know, mar a little bit of their personal side where Cena, I mean, the guy just seems like an overall good guy. Yeah, he seems to kind of appeal to people, fans who like a clean-cut kind of image, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not everybody's like that, but there is there is a big section of, of wrestling fans or just sports fans in general who really like a guy with a clean-cut image, and he is like the perfect guy for that. His yeah. motto is hustle, loyalty, respect, so that's definitely clean-cut. Um, uh, the thing I'll say about Cena is the word that comes to mind is consistent, consistency. This guy for – 15 years has been very consistent uh, with his gimmick in the ring. Now that's not necessarily a good thing in wrestling. Consistency can turn a lot of wrestling fans off. Um, not changing your gimmick through the year. Something I'll talk about Undertaker is he was able to modify his gimmick here and there to stay fresh. Whereas Cena, you watch wrestling, half the audience is chanting, let's go Cena. And the other half is chanting Cena sucks. And, and and part of it is what Brian said. Not everybody likes squeak, squeaky clean, you know, wrestler. But the other part is, is he he hasn't changed anything in so long. He started out as the doctor of thugonomics, and he was like a, a white rapper, and you know he would throw out <laughs> some <laughs> crazy sexual innuendos in his raps against <laughs> other wrestlers. And then that maybe two years uh, lasted, and then. You know, he became this clean-cut guy, and he's been that pretty much, I don't know, it's probably from 2006, seven on till now. Um, and that turns a lot of people off that he, he hasn't changed that character. But he is always the highest uh, merchandise seller. So why would he change? <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So anybody have anything else they want to add on Cena? Okay. No? Okay, great. Well, we're going to move on to our next wrestler. Who should that be? I'm just not sure. Maybe I'm going to just slam into this Slim Jim for a minute. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there he is. The Macho Man. The Macho Man. Randy Savage. And thank you, Kevin, for letting me borrow that. I appreciate it. You're welcome. <laughs> you sleep I can't believe I still had it. Yeah. I got that when I was like five years old. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I still sleep with it, Brett. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get Sarah on the, on the, uh, the show and see how he appreciates that. <laughs> so Macho Man, he, he is one of those names that transcends the sport. Everybody knows Hulk Hogan. Everybody knows uh, Brian Stamp later, Andre the Giant. Uh, Macho Man Randy Savage was right up there. He is one of those guys from the 80s, 90s, name transcended the sport. He's had a intercontinental title. Um, was the World WWE title two times. He won the 87 King of the Ring. He was four-time WCW champion. And he's had eight other titles and other promotions. Uh, in 1987, he had the match of the year. Uh, that was against Ricky Steamboat at WrestleMania. Um, he was voted the Wrestler of the Year in 1988. 
And Shawn Michaels himself has um, agreed that there was no one better than Macho Man Randy Savage. He was great on the mic and in the ring. Guy could put rhymes together, you know, that just sounded great. Um, Savage and his his ring escort, Miss Elizabeth, she was a big part of him. Um, they were they were wrestling royalty. Uh, they even had their wedding, you know, written in as part of the show. Uh, it was great. People were crying in the stands when he asked her to marry her, marry him in the ring. Um, the storyline of their their relationship it just captivated audiences. And let us not forget that Randy Macho Man Savage wrestled Spider-Man in the movie. Uh, he was Bonesaw McGraw in the original Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. So that's uh, a little movie there for him, too. <laughs> but um, his, his name is, is, is ginormous with wrestling. And uh, his flying elbow drop was his finisher, of course. Um, you know, people emulate that one today. He was one of the, the first guys to make wrestling a little more than Hogan coming in like this and, you know, doing the head shakes. He was the one that could go in the ring. As I mentioned, his match with Ricky Steamboat, uh, you know, that stole a show at WrestleMania back then. So Here's why I think he should not be on the Mount Rushmore. I, I, I liked Macho Man, but... Yeah, you sleep with him. Yeah, whatever. Speaking of sleeping with, who did he sleep with? Quite possibly a minor who was uh, the daughter of the owner of the WWE. Speculation was that he had his way with her when she was about 14 years old. 17. A lot of, no, I, no. 14 is when it first allegedly started. And there was also a rumor that his wife, Vince McMahon's wife, actually hid an abortion from Vince that they had done because he may have impregnated Stephanie. Now, I don't have any... I don't have 100% proof, but a lot of people were speculating that he wasn't, he was having relations with a minor. And then on top of that, he was one of the biggest names in this whole steroid scandal within the WWE. So you think Vince is putting him in, in his hall of fame if he impregnated his 14 year old daughter? Well, there's no con, there's no 100% proof, but. For there to be, no, he's the father. For there to, no, for there to be speculation, okay, obviously something wasn't right and something was probably happening. But just like this, the steroids, we talked about the Baseball Hall of Fame, people not getting in. Maybe he shouldn't be in. But well, uh, then you'd have to kick out most of, the, <laughs> most of the Wrestling Hall of Fame would have to be kicked out probably. But. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> when I think about Macho Man, can I say, like, his interviews with Mean Gene were just, like, epic. Like, I could watch those all day, man. I'll, yeah. I'll YouTube those and just watch them, like, over and over again because, I mean, they were just so funny. Uh, I mean, Macho Man, his, his intensity on the mic, you know, was just – was really, like, yeah. I mean, maybe maybe The Rock was better, but that might be about the only person I can really think of, you know. And, like, the one-on-one -on -one interviews just sort of just when he had the mic in his hand. I mean, it was just mm – -hmm. it was crazy. I mean, that guy was just – pure energy and, and just hilarious to watch. <laughs> that's that's kind of where I was going to tag on too was the energy that he had. I mean, him and I'd have to go along sometimes like the ultimate warrior, you know, bringing out like sometimes how crazy these guys got in the ring during interviews. Like you said, it was just, but that's what brought the fun to wrestling. That's what brought the fun to these guys. And again, yeah. you can go and say his energy 
kind of created him to be a loose cannon from time to time, um, a little over the top. But again, that's who his character was. I mean, shoot, he, he even carried that into his commercials. As he snapped it, it was the movie. 80s. Everything was over the top. Yeah. <laughs> Look at the Stallone movies from back then. <laughs> Look at the picture behind you. Look at his outfit, man. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, it did. It kind of created like this aura of like, here's this guy that we have as a wrestler. And like, we can't quite control him, but we kind of steer him in the right direction. You know, we don't know exactly what he's going to do. But, you know, you're definitely going to watch because you don't know. You know, like, is he going to go out of control or not? Like, he looks mm-hmm. like he's on the verge of it in every one of these interviews, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what was and great about it. You, you could definitely throw – his match against Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania out there as being one of the most, I'm not going to say best wrestling match, but most known wrestling matches, the mega powers explode. I mean, that, that, that was, uh, I think WrestleMania five. Um, yeah, that's that, right, that, yeah. yeah that, that, that was huge. Um, obviously we'll talk about Andre Hulk later on, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's one of the most known matches of all time that really helped, uh, solidify wrestling that, uh, was a lot different in the 70s, but that there, you know, really put it mainstream, a lot more mainstream. So, all right, let's move on to our next wrestler. That's going to be Brett's going to be doing Triple no, H. Oh, oh, yeah, you're right, Sting. I'm sorry, yeah, because Kevin's first, yeah, Sting. So, I never really was a fan of WCW, even when they started taking over, you know, some of the WWF wrestlers that started, or WWE or wrestlers that started to go over there. I still didn't really watch WCW, couldn't get into it really. I always, I personally always thought it was kind of like the minor league, um, which I'm sure you guys probably have disagreements with that. I, that's just my personal feeling on it. But Sting, Sting was a top-notch wrestler. He was definitely um, the face of that that organization, WCW. Uh, and he was often coined as the franchise. Um, and he has the most, one of the most unique faces in wrestling. I mean, you see that face paint, you automatically know who's coming down. Um, I mean, he had a lot of good um, accolades in his career. Um, you know, he held ten of the world titles in the WCW. Um, spent most of his career um, in the WCW, and then he went to uh, Impact, formerly known as TNA. Um, and then he only spent a very small portion. I think it was only like two years in the WWE, um, and he actually got injured <laughs> in uh, the early stages of his WWE career. Um, was an old man. <laughs> yeah, he he was. I mean, his decade spanned over three decades. Um, starting in the 80s, he got overnight notoriety, notoriety um, because, again, just like Bret Hart, he had a, a one-hour match against Ric Flair, um, and that happened, you know, in 1988. The, it was the very first Clash of Champions. Um, seems like Ric Flair helped uh, boost a lot of wrestlers. Um, that's probably why um, he's, you know, one of the most popular wrestlers out there. Um, but Sting also had one, you know, tag team title uh, with Rick Steiner, uh, I'd said the 10 uh, WCW World Titles, two tag team titles, um, and he had the United States title in the WCW. Never won anything in um, the WWE, but he uh, was the only uh, wrestler from the WCW to appear in all 10 of their video games. That's a good trivia question there. Um, <laughs> he's, he appeared in every single one of the WCW video games. 
Um, Sting, I mean, he's he's probably going to go down as one of the greatest wrestlers ever. Um, he should be mentioned in, like, the top greatest pro wrestlers of all time. Um, he definitely helped carry the WCW franchise, the, that federation, uh, to the levels. He also did charity work outside um, of being a wrestler. Um, make a wish, just like you had mentioned, uh, I believe it was Cena, Brett, you had mentioned. Um, and he did Starlight Children's Foundations. Um, and he always said that that was one of his most fulfilling activities. He enjoyed uh, his young supporters, and he would always call them the little stingers. Um, but he was also voted pro wrestling. Um, he was voted, I'm sorry, by the Pro Wrestling Illustrated as the most popular wrestler of the year four times. and shares that title with John Cena. But he's one of the most popular wrestlers out there to ever wrestle. Should be in, in uh, the top ten wrestlers of all time. He's in two Hall of Fames, WWE. They did induct him in. I mean, he's also in uh, Impact, formerly known as TNA. He's in their Hall of Fame as well. You kind of, kind of buried him at the beginning there, but uh, <laughs> at least you turned that around. You know, Sting, he's, uh, he's another born-again Christian like HBK. He's uh, done a lot of a lot of religious work, uh, fine online. But, um, you know, with Sting, no one, no one could say more without saying anything than Sting. He, when he turned to what we'll call the crow sting, which is that one right there, he didn't talk for months. He just showed up, stared, pointed a bat, and that said more than anything anybody could say in that ring. Um, and this was in WCW, and, and this was when Hogan, Macho Man, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall had all moved to WCW and taken it over. You know, they started the New World Order, which was the biggest thing in wrestling before DX even came along. Um, and they were the biggest thing in wrestling. And what was going on behind the scenes was they were also making all the decisions on who was winning and who was losing um, these matches. Uh, the NWO and Hogan and his contract that says he had creative control. Um, so they were taking a lot of liberties there. Sting was the only man that uh, didn't get buried despite being not being you know part of their 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 clique um because he just had so much charisma and and and, and character um he he definitely as kevin said deserves to be on the top 10 top eight top five he could all these guys could be on the first mount rushmore you know they could all be debated for that too um he's very underrated because a lot of his time was into wcw before WCW got big, and but the very last match of WCW before Vince McMahon bought it was Sting versus Flair, and I think that says a lot that you're you're ending your company with with those two right there. I mean that says a lot about it, and a lot of people didn't watch uh, TNA wrestling. He was one of those guys that refused to go to WWE for a really long time. Um, because he was standing on his morals. He didn't like what Vince stood for back then and, and things like that and, and didn't feel they would use him right. And he was probably right because everyone from WCW who went to WWE after he bought them pretty much tanked other than Booker T and maybe one or two others. Um, but his matches in TNA with Kurt Angle, the Hardys, AJ Styles, um, they're, they're, those matches are classics. This guy transition not from the four square ring to the octagon ring i mean he had it all sting had it all uh, he, 
he, I think he's, he's amazing. Uh, yeah, he's got that uh, ultimate warrior paint going on there. A lot of people don't know that uh, him and warrior used to wrestle as a tag team in Texas or down in the South somewhere well before they became famous. And that's why they kind of had the same face paint there at the beginning. So when, when he was in WCW, his colleagues said that he was, you know, one of the most professional, well-respected locker room leaders out there. Mm-hmm. And Ric Flair had, had been uh, heard saying that uh, Sting was one of the greatest opponents he's ever faced. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think that one of the things with Sting that really stood out was like this, you sort of touched on it, Mike, was like his mystique. You know, he was like a guy that you like, you know, because he didn't really communicate much, but he was such a, such a force in the ring that he just kind of like really intrigued a lot of people. You know, I mean, you just, when you saw him out there, you're just like, wow, that, what, what's up with this guy, you know? And, uh, and that was a lot of his draw, I think. And then also, I mean, I remember, you know, I, I watched, you know, a, a, chunk of WCW in the, in the 80s and 90s and I mean when you turn when you turned on you know the broadcast I mean you were probably seeing Sting in a match I mean there was really like four guys that they really rotated a lot you know with, with Flair and then with Lex Luger and, and, and Steiner you know those were like really the big four there you know and, and Sting was in, involved in like all the big matches in, in the WCW. Right. Okay all right let's move on to uh, Triple H. This time, this time is Triple H. Yes. <laughs> Go ahead, Brett. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I won't play his music. Um, but, yeah, we're talking about Triple H uh, lot right there, that background picture, also known as Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Um, you know, you go over his uh, his finishing move that he had is the pedigree, uh, another Sweet. extremely well-known. Yeah, it's a great move. Um, you know, something to say right off the bat. We're talking about guys who should possibly be on the second Mount Rushmore. And I don't think you can look any further than this guy right here. I think it begins with him for what he's accomplished, not only in the ring uh, since his wrestling career ended. Let's just look at a stat right now as we have obviously the rock on our first round, uh, Mount Rushmore. When you look at him and Triple H, him and Triple H have faced off in the ring, whether it's in one-on-one, tag team, elimination, whatever it is, they faced off in a ring 73 times in their career so if you're talking about the rock definitely being on the four the you know the first four there i don't see how you could ever leave hunter Hearst helmsley triple h here off of the second four um he had 22 matches with stone cold steve austin another one of our top four um mount rushmore guys and i mean then you look i mean let's see he's worth 40 million dollars right now hunter Hearst helmsley's that's his net worth roughly um Right now, after his career, he has taken over for the WWE as the global uh, development for talent uh, for the WWE. I mean, he's heavily involved in everything that still goes on there. Uh, He obviously, at least last that I knew, he's still married, I believe, to Stephanie. Stephanie McMahon, yeah. (laughs) I wonder what what, uh, Macho Man would have thought of that. Yeah, or uh, (laughs) any of the crazy scenarios they had in the ring where – they were getting married and all the crazy stuff going on, but that's, that's another story. Um, he was another, he was the other basically co-founder of Degeneration X with Shawn Michaels. Um, but I mean, if you're talking about a guy again, who's obviously going to be worldwide known and for what he did in the ring, uh, his name's got to pop up. I mean, if you're growing up and you're watching wrestling, even if you hated him, you loved watching matches with him in it because he was always a fierce competitor. He gave everything he had 
it was always a good match. Even if you hated him, you loved watching him wrestle The Rock. You loved watching him wrestle Stone Cold. Even if he won, because again, it was just, he's that type of guy in wrestling that just really emphasized what wrestling was all about. He, he had the acting part down, you know, he had that, he made it believable. Um, so again, I mean, I'm going to let you all chime in here, but I think when we're talking about our next four, I almost think right now he, he's, he's like the leader of that, that four. Well, he, he's, uh, he's, he's certainly done great things after, I mean, he's not done wrestling technically he wrestles once or twice a year, but I mean, he's founder of NXT, which, uh, now goes, it's on Wednesday nights live against AEW. So, um, he runs that whole thing. Eventually he's going to be running WWE, I think, in my opinion. Um, he was the mastermind behind the Montreal screw job. It was his idea to uh, pull that one off, you know, so take that for what it is. The, the one thing with Triple H and HBK, uh, Shawn Michaels, who you spoke about earlier, they did the unforgivable in wrestling. They, they, they broke kayfabe. They, they, uh, the last night for Kevin Nash, who was Diesel at that time, and Razor Ramon, villains and heroes are not supposed to hang out with each other. This was old school wrestling rules, not so much today, but not supposed to hang out with each other, definitely not supposed to break character with one another. And these guys at Madison Square Garden broke character. They all hugged each other, high-fived each other after their match on camera, you know, and you just don't do that. And a lot of wrestlers were very upset over that. Triple H was supposed to win the King of the Ring that year. Part of his, let's say, suspension was they took that away from him, which basically in wrestling, that means they're taking away your push. You get pushed, you get more money. So it was, it was a really big thing. Uh, and that was the year Austin won. So that definitely changed history because when Austin, Steve Austin won that King of the Ring, we got the famous quote, Austin 316 says, I just whipped your ass. So... That made him one of the richest men on the planet. But, yeah, Triple H and, H and Shawn Michaels breaking kayfabe, that's one of the worst things you can do in wrestling. Does he still have the career that he has, though, if he wasn't dating Vince McMahon's daughter? He's married to her. Yeah. But I'm saying he wasn't married to her when he – the whole time he was in the WWE. Absolutely. I think, I think he does. He, he was big before they started dating. He was with China all those years, and, and – yep. Still big, so I thought China was with X X Pop Pack after that. After, yeah, oh. Brian, I anything, mean, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was saying, I mean, with Triple H, I mean, during his you know, his, his uh prime, I mean, he was really like the measuring stick for you know, the, the entire uh WWE. I mean, if you went if you went up against him and you beat him, you know, now you've done something, or even if you you know, if you hung in there against him, you know, that was a, that was a major statement, you know, so I, I feel like he was a sort of a, a measuring stick during that time. Good. Let's uh, move on to our next one, the undertaker. Let me get him up there real quick. I don't know if you're going to be able to see these, but uh, these are my undertaker socks. There we go. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Couldn't get that to work earlier. So, Everybody knows who The Undertaker is worldwide. I mean, I don't even have to go into how big this guy is. In my opinion, he he, he should be on the, the, the first Mount Rushmore. I, 
I don't know how anyone could debate against that, but I'm sure somebody will have something. He's a four-time Match of the Year winner, 17 title reigns, a Royal Rumble winner, 12 Slammy Awards. He's got the greatest gimmick in history, and he made, he's made it work. He's constantly able to modify his gimmick to keep it relevant. Um, the streak of 21-0 at WrestleMania, one of the most famous things in wrestling, 21 wins, zero losses. And his loss to be 21-1 and one against Brock Lesnar is the most shocking moment in wrestling history, um, real moment, uh, you know, wrestling moment behind the Montreal Screwjob. But, um, and he's got a 25-2 and two WrestleMania record. No one comes close to anything like that. His two matches at Mania against Shawn Michaels are considered some of the best matches of all times. Um, his beating the, the, the three count from Shawn Michaels super kick into triple H's pedigree at hell in a cell, um, in the hell in a cell is, uh, the, was the, Oh my God moment of 2011 in wrestling. Um, no wrestler has been more respected backstage than undertaker so much so that he was made judge of wrestlers court basically for any locker room problems. He set up an actual court and, and they made him the judge and, uh, you know, he would, he would settle it. He'd say, okay, you're buying the beer tonight as your punishment or, you know, you're, you know, riding in the back of the plane or whatever, little things like that. But that, that's, that helps keep camaraderie in a locker room, you know, uh, and that's a really important thing. So, and he's main evented in three decades that very few people can, can say that three decades. So. That's what I got on Undertaker. I mean, one thing I like, like his his entrance, his ring entrance has got to be the best ring entrance of anybody. I mean, that to oh, have yeah. the lights shut out and then this you know slow guy, no, 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 you know, go, it's just like I mean, it, scares, it still scares the hell out of me, man. Yeah. <laughs> I one year you and I were at Ocean City and uh, we, you know it was on in the background. I think we we're all playing poker or something at the table and, and we just hear the gong and it scared the crap out of all of us <laughs> yeah yeah it's it crazy i remember we all like jumped at the same time so i liked uh when he would walk the rope he'd, uh, yeah, hold your hand school yep he'd walk the rope to the middle and jump off yeah. and hit you and then his tombstone choke tombstone. slam um yeah. i i really liked his i liked his older look though when he would like, he actually looked like he was dressed in like an Undertaker outfit. Now he kind of looks like a biker, you know, as he got older and he even rode in on a bike and, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. I preferred the the Undertaker actual look because it was that, a little that, bit more freaky. That, that yeah, the biker thing that was his final match. He actually that was the first time he had done it since I don't know late two thousand nine yeah. somewhere in there. So yeah, he had gone back to the the dead man. For a long time, yeah, and his casket matches with Yokozuna yes. and the um, cage match with Mick Foley when he threw Mick Foley through the oh. top down onto the tax, yeah, on the, on the ring um, at, the, at the Civic Arena, yeah, threw him and also threw him off the top of the, threw him off the, the yeah, top. That was yeah. another great match. Granted, Mick Foley, Mick Foley made a lot of that match uh, memorable, but I mean, I, I always enjoyed watching The Undertaker, and, and he had a lot of good matches that you know, I'll remember. Yeah, I think when you can like tap into like the almost like supernatural kind of thing, which is almost kind of what he was. It was almost like this: is this guy even human? You know, I think when you can do something like that and pull it off, 
uh, that that just like that makes you legendary, you know, and that's that's a very important thing for what we're talking about, you know, when, when you're talking about Mount Rushmore. Right. Yep. Okay, let's move on to Andre. Brian, you got Andre. Andre the Giant. Uh, yeah, speaking of, of legends, um, you know, I just to, to backtrack, when you think about the Mount Rushmore, you know, the actual Mount Rushmore, you know, you got the four presidents on there and you got the, you know, we, all, we each know the great things that each one of those presidents did. But on top of that, there is like sort of a, you know, like legend and for, uh, folklore that goes along with each one of those guys too that makes those those presents all, you know, sort of larger than even what they actually were. And I feel like that's the same sort of concept with Andre the Giant. I mean, he was, I mean, they call him the eighth wonder of the world. I mean, we're, we're putting him on a level with, you know, like the Sphinx and stuff, you know. So, um, yeah, and so... Um, you know, like an example of that was, you know, he was listed as seven foot four, but he was actually six foot 11. Uh, Hulk Hogan claimed to be the only person ever body slam him, but he was actually body slammed earlier by Kamala and, and also by Harley race. Um, you know, it was rumored he was going to join the Washington Redskins. Um, it was widely publicized his 15 year, um, undefeated streak, but he actually had be- been beaten by, uh, uh, the King Lawler, uh, um, during that time. Um, you know, it, it was there was a story out there about how he you know he tipped over cars with people in them, and and he and he, and he drank two hundred beers in one setting, and, and things like that. You know, everything was exaggerated by him uh, about him, but not really to a fault. It was more like to build the legend of the guy because of just how um, you know revered he was, and how you know it sort of uh, you know had a mystique about him as well. Um, you know, that he was just like this, you know, like it says, you know, the eighth wonder of the world. Like this is this guy is just really special. And so, you know, I think with, with all that being said, um, that's that's what makes him, you know, a, a, a very deserving of Mount Rushmore. Um, I think he also he kind of opened the door for for big guys that, you know, big giant guys that came after him, you know, like uh, like the big show or uh, mm-hmm. the great Khali or Giant Gonzalez or, you know, those types. You know, he kind of opened the door for to make that to sort of, you know, make that a little bit more normalized as well. Um, you know, and so, uh, you know, and of course, you know, as far as pop culture goes, you know, I mean, he was in the princess bride, he was in, uh, Showed a soft you know, right, right. Yeah. You know, so, you know, so he did it, he does other things too. And, 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 and became very wildly popular. And of course you can't forget about WrestleMania three. What, I mean, that's, that was such a hyped up match him versus Hogan. I mean, everybody wanted to see that. And, and, and Andre was just the perfect heel at that time. You know, just for the way everything was going on. I mean, he was just, you know, you had Paul Cohen was the American hero. And then you had this, you know, this big, bad Frenchman who didn't, you know, he talked kind of funny and everybody was kind of scared of him. It was just the perfect setup. And and just sort of like when you think of the 1980s wrestling, I mean, that's got to be one of the first things that comes to mind. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so I, I really feel like he deserves a spot. Absolutely. You know, Andre, uh, yeah, that match against Hogan is probably the most hyped match in wrestling history. Um, It's hard to say any negatives about Andre. He was the gentle giant, truly. Um, If I was going to be picky, I'd say he had zero ring ability. Uh, You know, he he had nothing really other than some chokes and some just a big body slaps, a big body, you know, <laughs> and you know, uh, it was always like a threat in the Royal rumble. Oh, Cause no one's going to be able to throw him out. And it'd take like seven guys to roll him over the rope yeah. or something, <laughs> things like that. Uh, 
it's Andre the Giant. You could not know wrestling and you know who Andre the Giant is. Correct. You you said it perfectly. Legend. I mean, that's that's a perfect name that describes him. I mean, we talk about some of our other guys and we'd say more superstar. We'd use those types of names. But him, he's just a legend of the wrestling world. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Anything you want to add, Kev? Um, I mean, like you said, I, you know, Andre the Giant is a household name. I mean, if you watch wrestling, like, you definitely know who he is. And he was pretty much, you know, up there as far as one of the best wrestlers just because, because mainly because of his size. I mean, it took a lot to knock him down. Um, like you said, Royal Rumbles take seven guys. Now, granted, that's every fat guy that's in the WWE. Uh, when they enter Royal Rumble, it always takes like seven guys and usually takes half the Rumble to get them out. But, I mean, he's a classic. He's, you're going to remember his name for as long as wrestling is around. Absolutely. Hard to dispute that. Not, well, know, another thing is, you know, you mentioned, Mike, about, about um, Undertaker sort of policing the locker room and everything. Well, you know, back in the 80s, the Giant really did that. I mean, he wasn't going to articulate anything to, like, convince these wrestlers what to do, but just his sheer size and, you know, just kind of <laughs> give, give them a grunt or something like that. Hey, yeah, don't do that, or whatever, you know, and, and, and they were going to listen, you know. So, right. um, so, yeah, behind the scenes, he, he was certainly a force as well. Okay. Well, before we give our pick, we each have to pick one to go on the Mount Rushmore. We're not allowed to pick our own. Uh, we're, we're just going to get one minute to just say somebody who could be on that, these Mount Rushmores in the future. Brian, we'll start with you. Okay. Well, as far as my who I would pick that's not my own, um, I, I think I'd go with The Undertaker. Um, I mean, he was – No, 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 your, your future on, pick. On, on my future pick, picks yeah, right now? Future pick. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, okay, well, my future pick would be Daniel Bryan. Um, Daniel Bryan has won every title in the WWE. Um, uh, wrestling Gate, which is a, a wrestling website, said that if it wasn't for lost time of, of injuries, he would have been the the wrestler of the twenty uh, um, the twenty tens decade. And you know, I feel like he's like uh, sort of had the ultimate underdog persona. I mean, he's only five foot ten, little over two hundred pounds, small guy. But he still pulls off these, you know, these amazing feats. I mean, you had the yes, the yes, yes movement, the whole thing, his rise to to stardom, you know, and then the whole deal. I mean, he won, he won the championship during WrestleMania 30, and 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 I know that he's only a part-time wrestler now, but he still has a little bit of wrestling left in him. Um, and so, and I think he may find his way maybe in another aspect of the sport as well. So I I think he's got a shot, you know, in the future. Absolutely, he's uh he's working on writing now too uh, with. Because he's not wrestling during the COVID time, so. But. Kevin, go ahead. Um, so I, I was gonna go with uh, Randy Orton. You know, when he came down, I mean, people feared him because of his size, and definitely, you know, when the Royal Rumbles, there'd always be like him, Batista, Roman Reigns, like those big guys that that would come in, and people would, you know, kind of fear them. Uh, I mean, he too has won multiple championships uh, within the WWE. Um, he got. Uh, though he was ranked number one at one point in 2008 uh, by the Pro uh, Wrestling Illustrated. They ranked him number one of the top 500 single wrestlers in 2008. He had great mic skills as well. You know, he always uh, could you know make you laugh at times, too. Um, he won the Triple Crown. I mean, he, he definitely has the accolades and, and the, the titles to support him possibly being in the future. But he, he also has had some uh, negative things, um, 
a steroid and uh, using a steroid thing and a possible sexual harassment, but nothing was found of it. But outside of wrestling, he's been in multiple uh, movies as well. Still in movies, uh, he did a couple TV shows. But yeah. I mean, all around, he was a great wrestler. We talked finishers earlier. The RKO. RKO. Probably the most well known with the younger group right now. Honestly, it's in every video. And I'm calling it now. He's winning the title this Sunday at at Payback. I'm calling it. So, Brett, go ahead. Uh, My future pick is uh, the big man Brock Lesnar. Uh, Brock Lesnar stormed onto the scene of WWE. Um, and the man, uh, the first time you saw him, he was just, the first thing you recognize about him is his size. The guy was massive, um, you know, but Brock Lesnar came on the scene and kind of quickly made a name for himself um, in the WWE. I mean, I think he was an eight-time world champion in just a short span. Um, and then you take, again, he, he went from the WWE, um, went over to attempt MMA, um, had some minor success, but you watched any of his matches, MMA was not his specialty, so he decided to come back. Um, and the good thing about you know Brock right now, he's still wrestling. Um, he's still involved quite a bit, and uh, his size is still as massive as uh, ever. And I, I would say you know he's got a lot of potential to possibly end up um, being one of those top tier wrestlers uh, that you look at in the future, depending on how long he can keep going. My pick is uh, Charlotte Flair. Went a little, a little outside the box on that. She's already the most decorated woman in in wrestling history, and uh, she's got nine WWE Women's Championship titles, two NXT titles, one-time Diva title. Um, back when they were still calling them Divas, uh, she she's a Royal Rumble winner, and that means a lot when you're a woman because there's only been three Royal Rumbles for the women so far. So to have one of those already under her belt, she had the match of the year in 2018. She has the last name Flair. I mean, <laughs> nothing says legend like, you know, Ric Flair, Charlotte Flair. Yeah, it's his daughter. So um, she's only 34. So she's got, you know, still quite a way to go. And she's already got all these accolades. I don't even know what more she could accomplish. Um, so I definitely had her up there. And, and, and all of us want to give a – none of us said Roman Reigns. Um, so we'll just give him a quick shout out because this guy's a two-time leukemia survivor. Yeah. Um, and he's already got several titles himself. Just came back uh, last week. You know, he wasn't allowed to wrestle because of the COVID and his immune system. So, shout out to him. He could be on this one day as well. So, yep. all right. Now for our picks. Um, you know, just, just one minute while you pick them. Brian, we'll start with you since we know where you're going. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, like I said, um, going to go with The Undertaker. Um, I feel like his persona was legendary. Of course, you had uh, the amazing streak um, of uh, uh, WrestleMania victories. Um, you know, just, just overall, the, the you know he, the aura of him just says legend, and, um, and and he stood the test of time. I mean, that's that's probably the biggest thing. You know, just being around, sort of having the same the same sort of gimmick, but it's worked. You know, and and and, uh, and so you know, and he and he has, like I said earlier, you know, that supernatural sort of feel to him, which is something that's very difficult to capture. So yeah, that's what I'm going with the Undertaker, Kevin. So we're only picking one. Is that is that what's going on? Yeah, you gotta pick one. Not your own. Not your own. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, we have to go with the Undertaker. Also, no, no, you uh, gotta I pick mean, somebody else. Oh, <laughs> I can't pick the same one. 
No, I'm oh. picking a Mount Rushmore. <laughs> oh, okay. So we each pick one. Okay. Um, as much as I don't want to say it, uh, HBK. Um, you know, the ladies' man, his his theme song when he came out. You know, ever the crowd would go crazy when he came out. He was one of the you know the best wrestlers out there. Him and his matches against Bret Hart were some of the biggest. Um, when he got into Degeneration X, uh, we all know how popular that that took off. He helped. He, I think he actually helped Triple H's career take off the way it did. Like, I don't. I think it was a mixture of of Shawn Michaels and and Stephanie McMahon helping Triple H. But um, I think I feel like Trip, uh, Triple H was taken under the wing by HBK and turned him helped turn him into the wrestler that he was. So granted, yeah, he. Want to take the fall for anybody? He didn't take the fall for my best uh, or my favorite wrestler, Bret Hart, but he, he's definitely well, uh, well known. Definitely okay. one of the best wrestlers. All right, Bret. Oh, speaking of uh, the victim of that, I'm going with uh, Bret Hart. I got to pick him. Uh, wow. Just again, uh, iconic name, uh, iconic persona about him. It, he was really wrestling before even. Some of our now, you know, top Mount Rushmore guys even came about. And growing up, you know, 80s and 90s for me watching wrestling, it was Bret Hart. When I when I would go to the events, I'd make sure that Bret Hart was one of the main events of that 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 event that we were going to, no matter what it was, because I wanted to see him. Um, so I mean, again, when you just talk about wrestling, uh, especially in the 90s and so. Bret Hart's the name you're going to bring up. And again, I feel like he, I agree with you all about how his kind of career ended. It was kind of sucky, but um, he still made a name for himself in the time that he was there. Okay. And uh, gosh, I want to go sting because I really feel like there should be a WCW representative, you know, but uh, it's, it, you can't not have Andre on this list. I mean, Brian said earlier, legend. I don't know if, Maybe the Undertaker legend is as big, but other than that, there's nobody we talked about today whose legend is as big as Andre the Giant. I don't even have to say anything more about Andre the Giant. You say Andre the Giant, you know who it is. So uh, I'm going with Andre. So Andre the Giant. Wasn't he in Cannonball Run? No. Oh, I thought he was in Cannonball Run. So who am I thinking of? I don't know. Probably Jaws from James Bond. But anyways, we hope you'll all join us on the 18th. Uh, of September. We're moving to Friday nights uh, starting then. We're going to be debating these guys Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady. He's in the wrong jersey. <laughs> they all, they both are. <laughs> so, everyone have a great night, okay? Have a good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.